Back to more John Chuckery. No, 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 I'm having a good time. Having a good time. Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. It's time to talk all things Dirty Birds. It's Falcons Flyover. With John Chuckery on Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. Back in the Kia Studios on Sports Radio 92.9, The Game is John Chuckery Show. Live on this Tuesday evening with you, 404-741-0929. That's the Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Odyssey app site catch us when you're on the go. Social media at 910 The Game at JMSH316 at underscore Dylan Matthews. Hey, losing money is no fun, but winning is. The BetQL app, Bet- BetQL app uses proven data and analytics to help you make smarter bets. Get started today. Download the BetQL app or visit BetQL.com. Com. This course tonight, look at all things Atlanta Falcons. It is the Falcons flyover. So as we mentioned at the top of the show, and we'll get a little bit more into this coming up in an hour from right now. Don't forget, uh, Bill Benner going to join us in 20 minutes. Um, with the Bucks win last night to get them to 6-6, six and six, Falcons are now down to a 5% playoff chance. 4% to win the division, 1% that they could be a wildcard team. So, look, the window is closing very quickly you can kind of hear that in Arthur Smith's voice, right? You know, five and eight at this point. Eh, okay. Hard for me to see that this is very much of a playoff team. Forget what they could or could not do in the playoffs. I just don't see really a pathway right now for the playoffs. Yeah, it's pretty much you have to win out, hope the Buccaneers lose out, and I don't know. Uh, it just doesn't seem very realistic from that standpoint. Uh, some pro football focus grades from uh, Sunday. So offensively, the top five were Chris Lindstrom was a 95-8. Can I tell you, Chris Lindstrom should be first team all NFL this year. Minimum pro bowler, but he should be either first team all NFL. And if he's not first team all NFL, then if he's not at least second team all NFL, there's something seriously wrong with the people who are voting on this. Now, hopefully this doesn't get back to Hugh Douglas talking about Chris Lindstrom, you know, but Lindstrom with a 95-8. By the way, Lindstrom is now the highest-graded offensive lineman in the league right now. Lindstrom's at 95-8. McGarry was at 91.5. He's going to be a very interesting discussion after the season. I still think he has pass protection issues, but is he so good in the run game that you feel like you have to bring him back? Huntley was third at 80.8. Drake London at 80.2. Cordero Patterson at 73.1. Can I tell you my number one thing? Not enough touches for Cordero Patterson. The last three weeks have been 12, 14, and 11. It's not nearly enough touches for Patterson. And you can communicate that to Bo Morgan to tell the teams, Dylan, because, look, there's no resting Cordero Patterson at this point. Either he's ready to play and take on a big workload, or he's not. Or he got the wrong guy. He should be 20 touches every game from here on out. Running, receiving, whatever. He should be in that 20 range every week. I don't care if it's 17 runs, 3 receptions, 16 rushes, 4 catches, 20 runs and he doesn't catch. Whatever. I don't care. But he needs to be at 20 touches. He's your best offensive player. You got to use him because your pathway is not to keep the ball in your quarterback's hands. 
Again, let's go through this exercise. When the Falcons have 20 or less pass attempts, what's their record? Four and one. The one loss was the Bengals game, and it would not have mattered if they threw it five times or 50 times, they wouldn't have beat the Bengals. What's their record when they throw it 21 or more times? 21 or more attempts. One and seven. That's it. At some point, everybody's everybody's going to have to just pat Chuckery on the back and say, you know what? You've been right the whole year about this stat. Anybody else giving you that? Of course not. On defense, Abdullah Anderson was number one with a 74-9. 68-7 for Alford at two. Quinton Bell at 64-7. 62-6 for Oliver. 62-2 for Timmy Horn. Not a very good day for their defense. Dolman was a 62-1. Mariota was a 46-7. Grady was a 48-4. Richie Grant, who did not play very well, uh, 40.6. And A.J. Terrell was a 57-7. So, yeah, some... uh, some decent things on offense because of running the football. Some not-so-great things on the defense, but we're kind of getting used to all of that. All right, let's get to some audio. Here's the head coach <clears throat> Excuse me, from yesterday. Here's Arthur Smith talking about his key message for the team after the bye. Well, obviously we need to – we come back. I mean, we got a quarter of the season. We need to, we need to improve, and we need to go get us a, uh, a win. Uh, starting with, you know, New Orleans, which will be a challenge going down to the Super Bowl, which will be fired up to um, go down there. I think you take it where you're at. And we've gone on a pretty good clip since late July. Uh, you get a little bit of a breather, but week one's coming up. You know, that goes Labor Day weekend. And then, you know, the Thursday game was pretty late for us and trying to get healthy. And you got a young team, too. It's a long season for them. So it's by being this, this late, you try to take it as advantage for guys to, to mentally and physically kind of recharge. So we come back in here, we got this sprint to the finish. The four games left and a, and a whole quarter of the season. So it's just you take it to where you're at, where you think you're at with your with your team and, and where, where it falls in the schedule. So you can't control that. We can control how we handle it, though. Uh, that's you know, painfully obvious. That clip could have been summed up in seven seconds. Was Captain Obvious standing beside him? Yeah, they, Probably. they, need, they, they need a win. They need to be better. So do we. You know, I mean – you know, anyway, here's Arthur Smith talking about the tough conversations they're going to have over these next 48 hours. In all seriousness, anything we do, we got to make sure the next couple of days, and, and we will, and we'll have some tough meetings and we'll go through it and make sure that we'll update you guys on anything that's personnel driven. Uh, obviously, scheme, there'll be things we tweak. I won't get into that, but I'll be as transparent as, you know, as you guys deserve and everybody else, the fans, whatever. But uh, we got to get through the next you know, 48 hours and make sure we make the right decisions. I think Wednesday of next week, you're going to hear that Desmond Ritter is going to start the rest of the season. I mean, again, we'll talk about this top of the hour. There's no reason. to. They're, they're not a playoff team. They're not going to make the playoffs. Okay? You're not gaining anything by playing Marcus Mariota. Okay? And, and you keep putting him in situations where he's not successful. That's my problem. Okay? Your pathway to win is... 170 yards running, 20 passes. That's tough to do in the NFL. When everybody knows that's what you have to do. When everybody knows that's your pathway, you're stuck. And you've seen it the last several weeks. 
It's not like the Falcons are getting completely bogged down in the running game. But 120, 130 yards, they have to run for 170, 180 to win. And Mariota can't throw 25 pass. Did anybody really think that when they were first down at the four-yard line and needed to drive for a field, anybody think that drive was going to go any other way than what it did? The good news is they just got it over with in one play, right? That's exactly what I said yeah, when it I, happened. I mean, you got it done and over with. Why screw around and tease everybody by getting out to the 45 or 50-yard line? Why even screw around with that? Just drop back, throw the interception, and be done with <laughs> that it. That is so accurate. Yeah. Why, why, why mess around? You know, to quote the great Ray Charles, why do the mess around? Here's Arthur talking about you can hurt a player's career throwing him in too early. You see him out there, but there's certain things, too. I mean, it, we've talked about this before here. And sometimes it may not be the perfect answer, but if you feel somebody's not ready right away, um, yeah, that could be a detriment to their career. You throw somebody out there too early. Um, yeah, again, we've seen it. There's a ton of examples of what about. You know, that's the best thing going on in society today, the what about isms. But you try to do what you think is best for the player. Yeah, out of necessity, if you had to play somebody, I think you brought that up last week, Mike, we had to throw Jalen out there probably before, well, it was before we wanted to, to put him out there. We had to. Um, but you want to make sure you're bringing guys the right right way. There's been guys that have gone out there maybe too early, and it probably altered their career. There's been other guys that you could make a real strong argument, maybe should have gone out there a little bit earlier. So, yeah, I, I get that game. But th- there is thought that goes into it. Um, again, they try to make the best decisions for the player and for the team. Well, here's the thing that will get your quarterback, though, really off track. Put your quarterback behind, put your young quarterback behind a bad offensive line. That's how you wreck his career. That that's how guys have had their that that's how listen, that's how Tim Couch had his career run. That's how David Carr. Put those guys behind bad offensive lines and let their brains get beat in. And that's how a lot of young guys won't recover either. Now, I don't think they'll change their offensive philosophy with Desmond Ritter. But you put somebody behind a bad offensive line, a young quarterback, and he gets his head caved in, a lot of guys don't recover from all that. All right, here's uh, Smith talking about the biggest adjustment for Ritter being the speed of the game. I think in any position, it's the speed of it, the speed and the consequences. I mean, there's a lot of guys that you look good in practice playing DV. They'll jump routes, they'll play a little stickier, and then all of a sudden the real pressure of the game, if you're wrong, and the, the thought of giving up a touchdown, if you're wrong, that makes them play a little more passive. So they're seeing – see in practice you feel pretty good about skill set development and then all of a sudden you get in the game and all of a sudden the guy's trying to you know three putt everything it's like all right where was that aggression that we saw in practice and well because there's real consequences here uh that happens a lot too but until we see him play but we feel good about him that'd be the next test well okay i mean look everything for a young quarterback is an adjustment right speed of the game Everything that goes along with it. All right, let's jump down to 14. The uh, result of the Tampa Bay game won't impact our quarterback decision. You know, we, we've got we've got to get over this hump here, and there's a lot of things that, at stake. Um, so that, that will not have an impact. It's what's going to be best for this team, short-term and long-term. All right, well, look. Tampa Bay winning, though, drastically reduced your playoff chances. You've lost four of your last five. You're... Two and five in your last seven, okay? So all that goodwill that we had is going away very quickly. And all that, we've got a long season ahead of us and all that has gone away. You're in the last quarter. 
I got news for you. You're going to open up Christmas presents and your season is going to be about over. And if you lose in New Orleans coming back from the bye, your season really is over. And at that point, again, I I expect Ritter is going to play and he's going to start against New Orleans. All right, let me get... uh, Uh, Oh, let me get uh, the defense got to get off the field faster, number 10. Defensively, same thing. Being able to get off the field in a more timely manner, doing a decent job in the red zone, forcing people to kick field goals. But we need more possessions. We need to be play cleaner in all three phases. That first quarter was 11 and a half minutes to three and a half minutes of time of possession. Their third-down defense has been dreadful. They're one of the worst third-down defense in the league. They can't get off the field enough. They had very few possessions offensively in that game. It felt like the Steelers in that first half had the ball the entire game. Like we barely got anything going in the first half of that game. So their third-down defense is what is hurting them right now. It's It's been a problem all year, and they just don't get off the field enough. What's the best way to create third down and get off the field? Change down and distance. Sack the quarterback. Blowing up plays. That's how you get off the field on third down in the NFL. You avoid third and short, third and easy. Down and distance. How many times have I come on this show and said that? That's the NFL game. That's why sacks are so important. Because they change. Everybody say it with me in your car. Down Down and and distance. distance. That's where it all changes in the NFL. That's why 40-sack teams are typically playoff teams. And I've said before, I think that our I think that our pass rush is if we get guys that run into lots of sacks, we'll sack them. We don't create enough. And they didn't sack Pitts or Pickett, excuse me, on Sunday, you know, as well. So um not good. Not good. All right, when we get back, Bill Bender is going to join us, National College Football Writer for the Sporting News. We'll talk some college foosball with him. Chuck Reed, the Kia Studios, Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game, Odyssey.com app. Hawks fans got a new podcast for you. Nothing but Ness. Get insight on your favorite basketball team from Caleb Johnson and Deshaun Tate. Check out Nothing But Nest for free on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast from. Chuck Green the Kia Studios, Sports Radio 929 The Game. Hanging out with you on this Tuesday night. 404-741-0929. That's the Solomon Brothers Diamond Text Line to be a part of the show. Odyssey app is how you catch us when you're on the go. Social media at 929 The Game. At JMSH316, he's at underscore Dylan Matthews. Well, we've got all of the bowl games set up, playoffs coming around the corner. Believe it or not, it will be here before you know it, and the bowl games are about to get underway here very soon. It's unfortunately, another college football season is coming quickly to a close. Let's head out to the waitfor.com hotline. Let's talk to our buddy Bill Bender. He is the national college football writer for the Sporting News. Sportingnews.com is where his work is. Follow him on Twitter. At Bill Bender 92. Bill, I always say this, man. It seems like it. we build all of this up just for it to go by so fast. I know, I can't, it doesn't seem like that long ago. I think I talked to you 
it might have been in July during like a baseball tournament, and we were talking <laughs> about the preseason. I distinctly remember talking a lot about Georgia and and everything that they may have coming back, and you know some crazy conclusions to the season, but some of the same ones that we expected. So it was a lot of fun. You know, Bill, the, this narrative is starting to go around that Georgia's draw isn't fair because they got Ohio State versus TCU, but I, I just I don't buy into all of that. I don't know how – I mean, again, I don't know if anybody would say that talking about Southern Cal having to come across the United States, but I just don't buy into this narrative that Georgia got the short end of the straw. The season played out how the season played out, and I don't know how TCU is supposed to get punished for the season that they had only losing in their conference championship game. Yeah, it's disrespectful to TCU, honestly. I mean, they earned that three seed, and, you know, they, they – played for something on conference championship weekend and they didn't win. And I'll be honest. Yeah. Do I think Ohio state would beat TCU if they played and it's a harder matchup for Georgia? Yes, but it's not the committee's job to reward Georgia. It's to stack the four teams up in the correct order. And that's exactly what they did. I had no problem with the final rankings. I think uh, it does create an awesome game. There's going to be, you know, as you know, I'm based up here in central Ohio. It's, I'm excited to watch it. I, I think this is true, but Ohio State has never played in the state of Georgia, and I'm excited to see it for the first time. Yeah, only the second time that they've played, right? It was Herb Street versus Eric Zire the last time we got this uh, matchup. So I, I agree. I, I love the brand of all of it, but I just I, I don't think it's fair to say Georgia got the short end of the stick. We're talking to our buddy Bill Bender on the WadeFord.com hotline. Let's talk a little bit about this game. I mean uh, – you know, Georgia, obviously, the last time we see them, yes, they beat LSU 50-30, to 30, but they did give up, you know, 500 passing yards, uh, one of the top numbers that they've ever given up. But, you know, again, I, I think that's more blip on the radar. I, I don't think that Georgia – how do I say this? That, that I think Georgia's better defensively than what they showed in that SEC title game. And I think having almost a month – to prepare for Ohio State, I think we'll see that come New Year's Eve. Yeah, I mean, they were up 35 to 10. I mean, so that some ways that got around them. I mean, there are – they will have to prepare and be ready because, you know, LSU had two receivers go for over 100 yards, and Ohio State's got two receivers that are better. Um, Omeka, Buka, and Marvin Harrison, those are Sunday guys. And I'm not saying Keishon Boot isn't or uh, – no neighbors. Those guys will probably play on Sunday too, but Marvin Harrison's a different. Uh, he's like almost, he's, uh, I, it's crazy that both of these teams have Heisman finalists, and I'm not taking anything away from Stetson Bennett or CJ Stroud. Don't get me wrong. But man, Brock Bowers and Marvin Harrison. I, I'm a Packers fan. I hope both of those guys end up with <laughs> Packers uniforms. All right. Let's, uh, so you and I are a couple of Ohio guys. You know, <clears throat> I, I've said this that, and I'll I'll take the heat and I'll and I'll give the hot take. I think the number one reason why Ohio State won't win a national title is because of Ryan Day, and I think he's an elite recruiter. But at times, his offensive play calling and mindset about how he runs this offense is mind-boggling. And I understand that they score a crap ton of points. They also do it against Indiana Rutgers. You know, take your pick, whatever Northwestern, whether not even Northwestern, but. Iowa, what have you. What do you make of sort of the angst that a lot of Ohio State fans have 
about their head coach? So, I mean, you're an Ohio guy like me, and I, I was using the phrase, I forgot what it felt like. I, I was alive during the Cooper year and all that, and I forgot what it was like for Michigan to win back-to-back games or to win in Columbus and the anger that that, that creates, and it created a lot. Um, you know, people talking about him being on the hot seat and all those things. I do I think he's a great coach 90% of his games. can't deny that record. But in some ways, they remind me of his mentor and Chip Kelly at Oregon, where there would be games where they would score gobs of points and then other games where it's like that unexpected clunker. That would happen at Oregon sometimes. Bill Benner joining us on the WadeFord.com hotline, national college football writer for the Sporting News. A lot of coaching changes. What would you think of the hire down here in Atlanta, Brent Key promoting him? Um, obviously the interim coach, four and four. What did you think about that hire? Did Tech get it right with that? Yeah, I mean, he came from the Saban tree. They showed fight. I was impressed. Uh, the Probably the closest I watched them was that North Carolina game where, where they pulled the upset there. And, you know, if he can recruit in-state and get plenty of those guys, I mean, a lot of former Saban assistants have had success. There's no reason why he can't at Georgia Tech. And, you know, uh, keep building on what they did at the end of the season. Now, obviously, their quarterback's in the transfer portal. So, you got to start there, find a quarterback, give reasons for guys to stay. I mean, their most exciting player in the last three to five years was wearing an Alabama uniform this week or this year. So, um, yeah, I think he'll have a chance, though. And I, like I said, I like the way they fought. And they've done that a little sooner. They probably would be playing in a bowl game think that there's going to be another power five job or two that opens up or you think that's kind of quieted down as we <clears throat> excuse me head into the uh, transfer portal season oh i'm sure there'll be a couple more now we're winding down a little bit um but as you get into december there's always one or two surprises we had one this week i mean i didn't have uh scott satterfield to cincinnati on my bingo card i certainly didn't um you know and those two are playing in a bull game which makes it that much more interesting in a lot of ways, but they'll, they'll probably, we're at 21 now. We'll probably end up with between 25 and 24 to 25. A couple more will happen along the way. Bill, were you surprised that Luke Fickle took the Wisconsin job? Um, a little bit, but I'll tell you what, that's a home run for the Badgers. I think Everybody else, the Deion Sanders hire is flashy and going to get a lot of attention. I like the Matt Rule hire at Nebraska, but Luke Fickle is the best hire in this cycle so far, in my opinion, because he'll be able to take what Wisconsin can do. And you're talking about a program with the sixth best record among all Power Five schools in the playoff era and build on it. And if they can find a quarterback and, and continue to develop, you saw today Bray, Braylon Allen staying there. Um, they could be really good. Bill Benner joining us, <clears throat> excuse me, on the waitfor.com hotline, national college football writer for the Sporting News. You know, I, I talked about this on our college football show this past Saturday that, you know, we saw the first domino fall that, um, that uh, Florida State's quarterback, um, my brain uh, is just, is it Travis Jordan? Jordan Travis. Yeah, or Jordan Travis. Yep. Um, he's coming back. And I said, you know, if they get their quarterback and running back to both come back next year for him, 
I really think Florida State has the best chance that we've seen to potentially upset the apple cart in the ACC. I know we're getting away from divisions next year and everything, but I really think that with the way Florida State played at the end of the season, they bring back their quarterback's going to come back now. They can bring back Benson, the running back. I think they've got a real shot to be at the top of the ACC next year. I mean, this is a team that's fastball. They, they beat LSU this year. They had a couple blips, but at the end of the year when they had that running game going, they were they were pretty darn good. And they didn't play well against Clemson. They'll have to climb that mountain. That's not going to be easy. But, yeah, they're back to 10 wins with the bull win if they can beat Oklahoma. I, I watched that Florida game cover to cover. Travis is really good. Uh, he's a difference maker. They have some inconsistency like anybody else, any program else. But, you know, from putting Mike Norvell on a got-to-have-it season, you got to give them credit. They they won, They could win 10 games. Bill, has the narrative changed about Jim Harbaugh? You know, obviously, back-to-back playoffs now, it really does feel like that for a guy that a lot of people wondered about whether or not, you know, he would still be there, this, any other I mean, all of the patience, whether it was, you know, patience on Michigan or patience for him staying there, whatever it is, it's really paid off these last couple of years now. And Michigan's got to feel like, okay, that this is this is right where we hoped we would be with Jim Harbaugh coming in. It took long. I think people forget what he inherited. Michigan was in a disaster spot when uh, – you know, after like seven years of Rich Rodriguez and Brady Hoke and controversies and upsets and just bad football. And, you know, it did take a little bit longer. And, and like you were kind of talking about with Ryan Day earlier, you are judged on the Michigan-Ohio State game more than anything else. And or, the way this rivalry has worked for a very long time is the, the coaching matchups. Like Lloyd Carr had Cooper's number. Trestle had Carr's. And once Carr left, I mean, Urban had Harbaugh once it got serious again. And now, you know, Jim's got Ryan Day's number a little bit. So I think all of that works. And and this is their best shot to win a national title in 25 years. I do think they'll beat TCU. I don't know if they can beat Georgia. I think that this time around, if it's not closer, I'd be surprised. Bill, let's talk about the playoffs for just a second. Obviously, we got word, not the Rose Bowls. In we're going to expand to 12 come a couple seasons from now. This is my thing about it. So would would these last couple of weeks of the regular season take championship Saturday away from it? But would the final two or three weeks of the season had as much on the line in a 12-team playoff? Because, look, even Tennessee losing twice over a few-week period of time wouldn't have hurt them. Clemson would still be a playoff team. That's my only fear is college football's regular season is unique in how important it is. And I wonder if the 12-team playoff, you know, jumping right from 4 to 12, pulls us away from some of that. Oh, well, it's going to change. I mean, changes Michigan-Ohio State. I mean, they may play the impact of that game that they played. It'll always have an impact, but it's changed. That's a 365 a day year, 365 days a year type rivalry, and now they may play two or three times. So the example I keep using, I was at my son's lacrosse tournament the weekend that Alabama played LSU, and a lot of these dads were celebrating when Alabama lost because Alabama was gone. Now 
Alabama's a sixth seed that probably just tears up and goes to the Final Four the way they're playing. So it definitely is going to change the way we watch the regular season. There will be consequences for games, but the way that those games are viewed is going to be very similar than than NFL. And if anybody doesn't think that's the case, just wait a few years, and and I'm going to tell you I told you so. Bill, last thing for you. I I still think that Kyle Whittingham is the most underrated coach in college football. I I think the job that he does at Utah, of all places, I think he's an outstanding coach. Is this sort of like, you know, what Boise had for so long, you know, with Peterson that just, I don't know, it it seems like Kyle Winningham never really gets mentioned for, you know, any top-tier jobs. I mean, he just feels like he's very comfortable there. But, boy, he does an outstanding job for that program in Utah. Well, Utah and TCU both. I mean, these are programs in the BCS era that had to come up through the Mountain West Conference and, and cut their teeth. and were BCS busters at the time that nobody really respected, but now you start to respect them. I mean, back-to-back Pac-12 championships, the way that they just disposed of Tennessee in the second half, or Tennessee, USC, sorry. Um, and it was just so impressive. They, they take a cue from Cam Rising, the quarterback, he takes a hit, and then he keeps playing. Um, and they're not too far off from the playoff, and that's why TCU, I mean, to kind of lock them in there, same deal. You know, the, the climb that they've been able to make and very impressive that Max Duggan led that team to the college football playoff. It's a great story. I don't know if they'll be able to beat Michigan, but I don't really care because it's pretty cool that we get to see another team in the playoff. Yeah, I agree. I, I you know, they uh, it, it's good to see somebody besides just the kind of the same four blue bloods make it into this thing. On Twitter, at Bill Benner 92 National College Football Writer for the Sporting News. Bill joined us on the waitforward.com hotline. Bill, as always, appreciate it, buddy. We will... Talk again here soon as we get hot and heavy into bowl season. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me on. Take you, care. You got it. When we come back, it will be time for What's Bugging Chuck Reed. Okay, I'll be the bad guy. I will say that there were more deserving candidates. I'll explain next. Chuck Reed in the Kia Studios as we get some Gangnam Style to take us out. Sports Radio 929 The Game, Odyssey.com app. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Back with you, John Chuckery Show. Hanging out in the Kia Studios Tuesday night with you. 404-741-0929. That's the Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Odyssey apps how you catch us when you're on the go. Social media at 92.9 The Game at JMCH316 at underscore Dylan Matthews. Get to what's bugging Chuckery here in just a couple of minutes. Don't forget, 1049, two hours from right now, we do have Rankum coming up. So we have Dylan in studio. I don't have to re-explain how to do all this stuff because it's so rare. Like we went through a stretch there where I had like three shows and three different producers. So I got this guy, that guy, this person, whatever. I was having you make friends, Chuckery. Yeah. Well, I was already friends with all of them because I'm so used to you not being here that I've had to learn everybody's <laughs> name out of on everything. But anyway, um, but still, uh, we'll get to uh, a, a rank them coming up at 1040 uh, from right now. We'll uh, also, too... Had a chance to catch up with Ken Segura. We'll talk some Georgia Tech football with him 
That will be at 10 o'clock uh, this evening. That we'll play that and we'll replay our Chip Towers interview in about an hour from right now. As we get ready for tomorrow night, Hawks basketball, as uh, they will be in Madison Square Garden to take on the Knicks. Um, I, I assume you voted today. I voted today and all I that did. kind of stuff. I yep. wonder how long this thing is going to take. Like, yeah. with all due respect, there was early voting and everything like that. Like, right. I saw a, a graphic that said, like, they only have 32% of the precincts counted. How's that possible? How? What have you guys been doing? Eating Cheez-Its? I mean, I I literally, I, I vote at an elementary school, okay? Yeah. I It took me longer to go from my, and, and this place, I could walk from where I live. Uh-huh. I could legitimately just walk to the elementary school. Right. That's how close it is, okay? That is very close. It took me longer to get in my car and drive over and park than it did to go and vote. Same. I mean, there was nobody in there. And I know they had lines and blah, 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 blah. But, again, out in Roswell in the suburbia, it was easy as could be. So how could this be, like, hard to count this at this point? I have no idea. I don't well, know what's taking so long. It, it's all electronic, right? It is. Okay. I mean. So isn't shouldn't, shouldn't there just be a number that keeps popping up for Herschel and a number that keeps popping right. up for Warnock and whatever number's right. bigger? That's who wins? Right. I mean, you just. It's all submitted in there. We it's have all, an, you got you to gotta electronically scan this, the card, beep, bada, boop, bop, yep. bop. Okay. We and have enough just, technology these days, so yeah. it shouldn't take this long. Right. I mean, this should be like about a 15, 20-minute process to say, okay, here's the total number of votes by county and all this, that, and the other. It's not like there's some guy sitting there going, one, two, three. <laughs> One thingy dingy, two thing. I mean, but they'll drag it out as long as they can, right? It's sort of like it's sort of like they had the other night the college uh, when they had the on Sunday when they had the uh, football college football rankings. It was like a four hour show for what? Jeez, it takes like eight seconds to put the results out. It was like a four hour show. Goodness, I understand you you know react and respond and all that kind of stuff, but. Like, there shouldn't be any more than cut. about eight seconds worth of, you know, actual show to just give out the rankings and let's move on. Could have cut that down to three hours. Yeah, I, it just could have cut it down uh, to three seconds. Yeah. I mean, you know, just pop the thing up there, put it out front. So we'll uh, we'll see what happens here. But it is just kind of funny that, uh, you know, like all this angst and everything like that to vote today, and we still got to wait for, for all of it. Um, I was trying to see, like, it's like – yeah. All right. It says fifty-five percent in. Fifty-five. Like, are the peop- Are the counties not reported? Like, literally, are the counties not reported? Are they like up in the mountains and somebody had to rent a goat and go up and get their ballots or something like that? Like up in Blue Ridge or something like that. Maybe the goat had to count the votes first. Anyway, democracy in action, huh? Anyway. I think it would be a lot quicker and easier than all of this kind of stuff. All right. Speaking of getting to something that's easier, let's go with what's bugging Chuckery. Don't look now, but somebody out there just got Chuckery ticked off. <laughs> like, that's hard. Don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. It's time for What's Bugging Chuckery on Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. All right. I'll go ahead and be the bad guy. Okay. So the Contemporary Baseball Inaugural Committee... 16-member contemporary baseball era players ballot. We got the announcement last Sunday. Good for Fred McGriff. Not taking anything away from Fred McGriff. 
Good for him. He got in the Hall of Fame. He got 16 of 16 votes. Don Mattingly got 8 of the 16. And by the way, you have to have 12 to get in the Hall of Fame. Schilling got 7. Murphy got, Dale Murphy got 6. And then Bell, Bonds, Clemens, Palmero, all less than 4. Good for Fred McGriff. Can I tell you? He's maybe only the fourth most deserving player on that ballot. What did he say? I mean, let's talk about this realistically, okay? Dale Murphy was a better player than Fred McGriff was. Two-time MVP, gold glove center fielder, should have been in the Hall of Fame a long time ago, but he's a better player than Fred McGriff, okay? If, If you're not going to vote for Bonds and Clemens. Okay? Just take the just take the freaking names off the ballot. Quit insulting our intelligence by putting them on ballots just to say you did or did not vote for them. Okay? With all due respect to Fred McGriff, he's not half the player Barry Bonds is. Barry Bonds is the greatest left fielder in the history of baseball. There's not a better left fielder that ever played the game. I don't care if Barry Bonds walked up the home plate with a syringe needle in his hand and injected whale blubber right in front of the home plate umpire while it was up in the batter's box. I don't care. He was a better player than McGriff was. Roger Clemens was a better player than Fred McGriff was. Albert Bell, who got... You know why Albert Bell got screwed for the 95 MVP? Because he wasn't popular with the media. Because he didn't like the media. And he was a jag-off. Trust me. I was in person watching Albert Bell play double-A baseball. So you don't know more than I do about him. I know all about him. I know all the stories. The baseball bat to the thermostat in the locker room. All the stories. He was the best player in baseball for a four-year period. Better than Bonds, better than Griffey, better than Frank Thomas, better than A-Rod. Go look at his numbers, like 94, 95, 96, 97. Still the only guy in the history of baseball to have 50 doubles and 50 homers in a season. And he did it in the strike-shortened 1995-144 game season. I would tell you, Kurt Schilling's a better player than what Fred McGriff was. The Arizona Diamondbacks don't win their World Series in 2001 without Schilling and Johnson. That's the number one, number two, number three, number four, number five, number six reasons that they won in 2001. Because Bob Brentley had the guts to say, you two guys go out there and you pitch every day, every night, and win every game. And out of 11 playoff wins, Schilling and Johnson had nine wins and a save in their 11 playoff victories that year. Nine and a save. These committees are worthless. They're completely worthless. Just put in your friends, put in whoever you want, stop voting. Just make an announcement. Because this is ridiculous and insulting to everybody's intelligence to post these votes. I don't care about your sanctimonious a-hole stance about steroids. It was not illegal when those guys played. There were no baseball rules that were broken. 
There were no rules that those guys broke. Barry Bonds was never suspended by Major League Baseball. A-Rod was. Other players, you know who else was suspended by baseball? Paul Bird. Paul Bird was suspended by Major League Baseball. Was Bonds? No. It's just ridiculous. Baseball and their legacy is absurd. They should take all of these guys, put them in a dunk tank, and put them on a barge out in the middle of the ocean. I can handle just shoot it straight up. We're not putting these guys on the ballot because nobody's going to vote for them. Cool. Do that versus stick them on and insult our intelligence. Because that's what you're doing to me is insulting my intelligence. None of these jacklegs know a single solitary thing more about baseball than I do. I watched it, grew up with it, could tell you everything you want to know about it. I know who the better player was, I can assure you. And again, I don't care if they inject whale blubber standing at home plate in the batter's box in front of the umpire. You can put whatever cow testosterone you want into your body there. If baseball was so against it, they never put rules in place until later on. And by the way, um, let me understand. Did David Ortiz get in the Hall of Fame? Oh, you mean that steroid user who, when asked about his steroid usage, was no habla inglese. All of a sudden, English was a sixth language for David Phony Ortiz, the biggest phony in baseball. He was on the steroid report. Oh, I know. He magically played at the Homer Dome and hit 17 homers. Then at 35 years old, was hitting 50 at Fenway Park. Why am I the only guy that points that out? The Twins played in a building called the Homer Dome. He averaged 14 homers a year when he played there. Then magically at 35, worked it up to 50. You know his response? No habla inglese. He could sure speak English when they put him on TBS, can he? Can I tell you, I want to legitimately fight anybody who votes in any of these things. Contemporary, historic, antique, whatever, you know, sub-civilization, whatever fakakta ballot that they come out with. Because they're all a crock. And I'll say, how does Dale Murphy only get half the votes needed? Six out of 16. For his era... He's got all the numbers in the world, and he was a dominant defensive player, hit the home runs, and he won two MVPs. He didn't win one MVP. He won the MVP award twice. McGriff never even won an MVP award. There is something to that. If you didn't like Bonds, then you shouldn't have given him seven, seven MVPs. This whole thing is a group of the biggest sanctimonious a-holes in the entire universe. I 
Listen to me, Dylan. I hate every single solitary one of these people that votes in this. And I don't care if Freaky votes in it, Conti votes in it. I hate every single solitary person that votes in these committees. Everyone. Because they're all, yeah, because they're all a bunch of sanctimonious a-holes when it comes to this stuff. Stop putting these guys on the ballot. So you don't, yeah, him. Stop putting him on the ballot if you're going to insult my intelligence. Fred McGriff was a really good player, but this is where the Hall of Fame is. It's Fred McGriff, Jack Morris, Tony Perez, Alan Trammell, Harold Baines, those guys weren't Schmidt, Brett, Bonds, Clemens, Maddox. They weren't those guys, I can assure you. They were really good players, but they weren't those guys. I promise you, Tony Perez was a valuable player. He won Johnny Bench. But they're the both in the Hall of Fame. People? I hate, I hate, I loathe with every fiber and soul of my being all of those guys, every one of those people that have these are on these committees and vote. I what the hell ca- is wrong with you? You know people? what? I wouldn't care if if my daughter Ansley voted on it. I disown her. That's how much I hate those people. I give. I you know what? I'd sign the papers over and say I ain't your dad anymore. That's how much I hate those people. That's what's bugging Chuckery. All right, we get back to the top of the hour playoffs. Playoffs, can we stop that conversation? Now I'm going to get fired up again. Chuck Green, the Kia Studios, Sports Radio, 92 on the game, Odyssey.com app.